Gennaro Rewind, hosted by Matt Namofsky. Hello, NRL fans. Welcome back to the NRL Rewind podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namofsky, and welcome to the State of Origin Game 1 review. Obviously, State of Origin is in the books. We've had a couple of days to soak it all in. And what a game it was from Queensland Country Bank Stadium in Townsville in front of 27,000 strong Queensland fans in a neutral side at Townsville. The New South Wales Blues 50 defeating the Queensland Maroons 6 in an absolute drubbing of a game. Try scorers capable crossed over for the Maroons and for the Blues. Tom Dravojevic, a hat-trick, To'o a double, Latrell a double, and big Daniel Safedi crossing over for a barge play. This one here has just been an interesting game to kind of process. Wanted to record something on the night and the day after, but kind of wanted to really let it all sink in, look at the stats, rewatch the game again, kind of ready to give my thoughts here. So just want to run through some team stats here because when you look at some of the stats, it's absolutely fascinating when you think of the final scoreline. So let's take out the scoreline for right now. You don't know anything about this game. I'm just going to read out some numbers here and then we can kind of deep, kind of dig dive into the game here. So possession. 51% to the Blues, 49 to the Maroons. So you look at that, you know, fair share of the ball. Time of possession, 27 and a half minutes to the Blues, 27, 26 and a half for the Maroons, only one, one minute difference. The completion rates, 80% for uh, New South Wales, 78 for Queensland. Both had 40 sets of the ball. So, you know, they've both had the same amount of times to do it. You look at all the, to me, that that's, those stats right there don't show you the, the true mark of the game, but this is where we really get into it here. So the run meters, 600 more meters for the Blues. Post-contact meters, 130 more for the Blues. Line breaks, 10 to 1 in favor of the Blues. Tackle breaks, 52 to 31. Average set distance, the Blues 46 meters, the Maroons 31 and a half. Kick return meters, Blues 200, Maroons 101. Then we start getting into some of the errors, you know. Then you're like, okay, so maybe the, the Maroons must have had a lot of errors and that's why they uh, got kind of blown out here. Not at all. So you look at the errors made here and it's a 14 to the Maroons and 11 to the Blues. So not really there. Penalties, okay. So maybe the Maroons can see a lot more penalties to get the Blues on the front foot. Not at all. Four all. Ruck infringements. The Blues actually had five, you know, repeat sets in dropout, forced dropouts. The Blues didn't have one. Uh, the Maroons had one, so these are all different things that you know. You look at the you look at the game here, and you're going, "Wow, how how did this happen?" And what I think really happened is it was a very direct game plan from the Blues. They obviously, similar to what Queensland did last year, they kind of realised, okay, the weakness in this Maroons team is out wide. If we can really use our strike weapons out wide, the Tavroyevichs and the Latrells of the world on the outside, we can really uh, dent a hole here. You know. The first 15 minutes of the game was a bit back and forth. You could kind of tell the Blues were really aiming up and trying to get on top of it. And there was a huge start when you had uh, a try in the 17th minute, the 21st minute, the 26th minute to kind of really blow it open. Then after the second half, again, in a little patch, 48, 58, 60, 63, 68. It was just a consistent barrage where once the New South Wales got on the front foot, the Maroons' heads kind of dropped a little bit. And then all of a sudden they were really uh, ready to crack on with it. It was one of those games where you just kind of were really waiting for Queensland to get on a bit of a roll there. You know, there was, you know, they had a couple of sets on the line to try and break through, but just nothing really happened at all. You know, some of the real attacking threats for the Maroons, Harry Grant, Val Holmes, 
and Cameron Munster were just shut out of this game altogether. And it was really interesting to see that because you look at this Queensland side and you're going, okay, what's where, where can they really make a dent here? And just a lot of the attacking weapons uh, that would really be there to swing a game just weren't there. The, the Blues did a really good job of rushing up and shutting down some of the chances. You look at like a Val Holmes, 21 runs for 146 metres. That's pretty good. But then you look at the half, you know, they had to run 22 runs combined between them. Harry Green had 12 runs out of dummy half. It's just a lot of guys that you thought, okay, are they really going to, who's going to take the, the game here and really kind of step on the throat to try and do it? You know, Xavier Coates was really well handled, only 12 runs. Gay guy who, you know, origin hero in the past, seven runs. They just couldn't get on top of it here. And just, I think the Cameron Welch, uh, Christian Welch injury really had a big effect in this game. Only had the one run, had the failed HIA. So that was a huge bit of go forward there. But then you look at the rest of the forwards, you know, from, from the Maroons. Tino, 13 runs for 92 metres. Felice Kafusi, 11 runs for 77 metres. Fafita came in and had a couple of runs, 15 runs, but only 110 metres. Jai Arrow, eight runs. Jaden Sewer, eight runs. Ford Awaker had 16 runs for 150 metres. Then obviously Joe O, nine runs for 55. They just got trampled. It was it was a really, really impressive performance for the Blues, who really did it without a lot of their players playing big, big minutes. You know, Jake Rojevich only played 29 minutes in this game. But you have a look at some of the other guys in this game, you know, Daniel Saifidi, 50 minutes. Cam Murray, 56. Tarek, uh, 62. Isaiah played the full 80. Uh, Junior Paulo, 32. And Payne Haas, uh, 57. It was just a really complete game. For the Blues, they really, again, got on the front foot. And you look at the run meters for them. You know, Payne Haas off the bench, 13 runs, 132 meters. Daniel Saifidi, 15 runs, 142 meters. You know, and the the, the edge, the back rowers didn't really do that much. You know, Tarek, 10 runs for 87. Isaiah, 10 runs for 84. So they were just able to really get on the front foot and do a really good job, I thought, of handling the game. You look at the backs, the we, we kind of said in the previews, this is potentially the best one to five the New South Wales ever put out. Just look at the run meters here, you know. Tedesco, 212, to- or 233, Latrell, 167, Turbo, 215, Adokar, 101. Just outstanding, outstanding games. And they really jumped on them and had, a, and had it all working, you know. There were line break assists, there were try assists, there were line breaks. Just everyone had different runs. It was Damian Cook. You know, we spoke about in the pregame, me and Chris, you know, the battle of Grant versus Cook. You know, Grant came out really early and wanted to kind of send his authority in those first two sets, but it was Damien Cook who really came out and really, you know, tested those Maroons around the middle of the field. A couple of little darts, you know, got the early line break and got the line break assist to put uh, Safiri over in the second half. He just was really selective when he came out. To me, I would look at the, the New South Wales halves and, you know, you saw the, the Maroons had 22 runs between their halves. The Blues only had 12. They did not need to take on the line, but when they did, it was effective. Cleary, two line breaks. Luai, a line break. You know, it was just effective, effective footy. And I just thought it was a smart game plan from the Blues. Really let their forwards kind of work over through the middle and then have and then swing the ball outside wide. You know, there wasn't really any wasted possessions. When the Maroons had some chances on the Blues line in, in the attacking 30, a lot of setup play, you know, just a, a plotting run to try and set up a play. New South Wales would take that run, quick play the ball. They were on the out, they were on the front foot trying to swing the ball that wide to really get up and amongst and amongst the the blues out wide. It was a, just a really, really impressive performance, you know. And honestly, it was one of those things that you kind of look at it and go, wow, you know, where how did the Queensland Maroons fix this? Because 
when you look at what happened, you know, like I said, there was 11 errors from the Blues. They did not play a crisp game of footy. You know, there was a lot of errors in that first half, especially our feeling out process. There were some guys there that, you know, could easily, you know, probably had a six or seven out of 10. You know, if they guys, if those guys had a nine or a 10, it's going to be very interesting. But I kind of just wanted to kind of talk through where, where Queensland can kind of change here. Because I think the only change we'll see for the Blues here is Angus Crichton will probably make his way back into the New South Wales side and as in the expense of Liam Martin. I think that is a, that will be a, a free change that they'll be able to do pretty pretty easily there for the Blues to get it back in. But looking at the Queensland side, obviously, a huge in would be Caelan Ponga. If he can come back into the one jersey, that will obviously push Val Holmes back to the wing. Kyle Felt will drop out. Let's say Ponga isn't available. I think the next man up he returned to Queensland training this week is Corey Thompson. I think Corey Thompson will do a great job in origin. Kyle did not have a bad game at all, but he was obviously on the Dan Gay Guy side. I think Gay Guy needs to move out into the wing. Um, you know, he he's had good games at center before, but yeah, I, I just I don't know how they really do it. they can go through the forwards, right? So uh, you got Josh Pavley, he will come strap again. So he'll probably move straight into the 10 jersey. They'll push Tina back to lock, draw Arrow back to the bench. How else can they get creative with a couple of things? You know, there's talk about, you know, AJ Brimson's effectiveness coming on and playing that roaming 13 role. You know, do, do they blood a Reese Walsh and just say, Reese, this is your team? Do they bring a Ben Hunt in and say, Ben Hunt, this is your team? After what I saw today against the Bulldogs, is Ben Hunt in the best form of his career to try and swing this? Probably not. You know, Jaden Sewell and Joe Offen and Gowie off the bench, are they impact forwards that you really want to kind of bring in here? It's just very interesting because. You know, a lot of I heard Tino for someone like how we say, you know, we're going to be able to. This is some easy fixes, some easy fixes that can, you know, we can do some tweaks here. They didn't lose by six, if you know what I mean. They, they really got manhandled here. Let's kind of go through some of the eligible players here for the Maroons and kind of see where they can go. You know, a Tom Flegler can come on, he might do a job, you know, he might be able to replace Joe. I could see that happening, you know, looking through. Um, the rest of the team here, Dal Copley, no thank you. Dylan Napa, no thank you. You kind of go down. So Josh probably we spoke about, you know, the next player that come up, you know, Ronaldo Mulatalo looking in some really nice form for the Sharkies. Does he come in on a wing? Does Can he, you know, make his debut? Will Chambers is one, you know, if they want to shore up the uh, centre defence, you know, I can see Will Chambers coming in. You know, obviously he's on the other side of his career, you know, in the twilight, but he, he will not do a bad job for the Maroons, I can promise you that. So if we start hearing some Will Chambers talk, Chris was the first one actually bringing it up to me to say, you know, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, you can push Gay Guy to the wing, you can put Will in the centres, and all of a sudden you've got a very experienced centre-wing combination. They'll be able to trust each other there. So I don't mind that play at all. Corey Thompson, like we said, Jared Wallace, I think would do a very good job, you know, replacing that Jaden Suero. I could definitely see that happening there. Going further through the list, you know, um, Ford Awake will definitely keep his spot. I have no no problem with that, as will Profita and Tino. Um, Cherry Evans, obviously, you're not going to drop with Munster. Felice Gafusi, to me, is on really slim. Oh, it, it's just so hard to, you know, pick him because there's not many options to replace him with. But my goodness, you know, we haven't seen a real... Really think about it. When was the last time you saw... Uh, Felice Cafusi have a really good representative game. It's been a while. These last couple of Origin series, he hasn't been, you know, one of the top six players for the Maroons in wins and losses, you know, so it's going to be very interesting there. Caelan Ponga, we spoke about the big man to come back into this side. 
You look at some of the Cowboys led rules, you know, Mitch Dunner, Cohen Hess, Shane Wright. These are guys that have not been in great form. They're, they're okay. You know, you got some guys like Tuolagi who can come in on the wing, but, you know, I think they need some centers, not wingers. Going further down the list here, Reed Marnie, if he's fit, I think he's a definite Harry Grant in the starting nine jersey. Not sure if he's really ready for that yet. You know, he was really under the pump for a lot of the game there. So I wouldn't mind seeing Reed Marnie starting the game. And then even playing the two hookers on the same time and having Grant play that 13 role, similar to how Brandon Smith does right now. Wouldn't mind seeing Kate Kirk, Kirk Cable going back into the second row, um, really solidifying that ed, that edge, you know, three man in. There's just a lot of, we'll keep going further down. You know, Jaden Sewell, I think will be very lucky if he gets picked again. A Josh Maguire or a Josh Kerr, do they come back into contention? Um, they're obviously missing Lindsay Collins. He would have been a huge in right now. Sam Walker, does does the young man make his way onto the bench and, you know, provide a bit of impact? Billy Walder returned over the weekend. Does he kind of slot in there? If Moses Mbai can be fit. Uh, but yeah, to me, Reese Walsh is a really interesting one. He's the last guy on the list here. Uh, for Queen, Queensland eligible players. He's just one of those guys, you know, would he do a better job than AJ Brimson coming off the bench? It's a young man, similar body types. But yeah, we've seen what he's done when he's come off the bench for the Warriors in those couple of games this year. And he's just been a ball of fire, really sparked something. So, you know, when they went down 18-0 against the Blues in this game, you know, I thought they did leave Brimson onto the bench too late. If you're going to have a guy, an impact guy like that, I think once you're down by more than two tries, you've got to start swinging, you know. You can't just go, okay, we've got a game plan. We're going to bring him on to the 55th minute and start it from there, you know. After, you know, like in this game, it was the 31st minute is where they kind of, 27 to 31 minute was where they really kind of started to lose reins of the team there. And they could have really used a guy to come on there and really spark something. So I think that's going to be a definite change this uh, for the next game. I think you'll see a really early introduction to the number 14 jersey. You know, somewhere around that 28 to 32 minute mark, I think is a sweet spot. The Stings come right out of the game, some interchange forwards, Ron of Park, you know, trying to get some continuity of trying to get the guys working together. I think it's when you bring on that 14 to really do some damage there. So that's all the side, all the stuff from a Maroon side, because I just find it very, very interesting to see how they're going to really pull it back here. Um, because I don't think this is some easy fixes, you know, look at the, obviously Christian Walsh will come back in. He'll, he should play the game and he'll be a big help. I think they've got to fix the center combinations. I think Kirk Cable is much more suited to an edge. You know, I'd really like to see him move in to Kofusi's spot. I don't think that will happen. I think they'll leave him in the centers there. But I think Gay Guy back to the wing and bringing in a center, you know, maybe a Bill Chambers would be very good there. So Sua and Offen and Gowie as the interchange forwards, I think, are also in line to be removed, um, especially with Papali coming back as one of those. So they've got some options. They're not out in out in the in the wilderness right now in terms of being stuck on an island with this team that they've had in game one. But I definitely think they've got to make some changes here. For New South Wales, like I said, Crichton will come back in. Pappenhausen probably won't make this side. I think Jack Wine's pretty much locked that 14 spot down. But they played a great game. And a lot of the guys didn't have, you know, like I said, 10 out of 10 games. You know, Jake Trevojevic uh, and Isaiah Yo, two guys potentially in the, in that four pack that can really uh, spur on a result here. You know, Jerome Luan and Nathan Cleary by no means had outstanding games. They didn't have 10 out of 10 best of their career, but they had good games, had great games. So to be very interesting to see what happens here. But from a New South Wales side, obviously you'll be ecstatic. The new guys that you threw in or did the job for the Maroons, you know, the late reshuffle with Ponga being out, I think was a huge detriment to them. I think also losing Christian Welsh early on in the game obviously did hurt them. It shapes up to be a very interesting game too. I think the one thing about this series now, as they move in, 
uh, to Suncorp. You know, a lot of people will be riding New, uh, New South Wales straight in for a victory here, but going to Brisbane as a, at a packed Suncorp stadium, backs against the wall, this is where we see the Maroons do their best work. But it's going to be very interesting here because, you know, last year's State of Origin series, I think threw a lot of people off the scent. I think, you know, it was at end of the year, some tired players, some players that, you know, may uh, have been there but weren't there. Uh, it was a very weird series, obviously, playing that type of intensity footy after a grand final. Some guys that have been out, they've got teams didn't make the finals, you know. It's it's a very discombobulating thing to have the, have Origin where they had it last year in the COVID season. So I think, you know, New South Wales had a lot of form players this season, um, really come and really stand their authority in the Origin arena. I think the next game is a standalone Sunday at uh, 7.50 at a Suncorp Stadium, a packed house full of Maroons again, uh, their spiritual home. So by no means are we riding Queensland off here. I think they can really make it a series here. I think they've got to make some definite changes. They can lose this game on the team sheets, in my opinion. If they kind of stick true if Paul Green. That's one more thing I will kind of mention on this game is, is the coaching. You know, we've seen and we did speak about, you know, Brad Fittler has a definite way of like how he likes to pick a team. But when the team goes out there, I think he does leave it up to a lot of his players to kind of see how they want to play. You saw a lot of Latrell and Turbo swinging sides of the park. You saw Luai and Cleary linking up together. So they're going to do their game. This was a definite, really interesting Paul Green coach team. You could definitely tell at the end of his Cowboys run, a lot of the, the, the voice in the locker room seemed like it was lost. You know, they played a very slow, methodical brand of footy. And I definitely saw that in game one. I, I really want to see, you know, what we saw with Cherry Evans against the Cowboys this week, what we saw with Munster in those last two games last year in origin. You just got to let your best players play their natural footy. So... If that means they're going to go off script a little bit, if that means in the 24th minute you're going to bring on your 14, I, I just want to see it. You know, you can't just stick to a game plan that you've worked all week. And then after, you know, the first couple of tries leak and you just kind of say, we're going to stick into the game plan. I think Paul Green's got to really adjust. And because he can really, like I said, you can lose this game on the team sheets. If they do not pick a smart footy side here, the Blues have found some weaknesses in this Maroon side and they explo exploited them. You know, they could have won that game by two, three converted tries, but they really put the foot on the throat and played it for the full 80, which you'd love to see. Um, but it does obviously show you that they were able to attack the Maroons in a couple of different ways, a couple of little cheeky runs from Cleary and Cook through the middle, going out wide and using their strike weapons. So Paul Green's got a big job to do to one, select the correct team, and then two, put a game plan in place, but also be flexible enough to move off that game plan, you know? not Don't be shy to make some positional changes if you need to do it, because like I said, they're in do or die now. They've got to win two in a row here to retain the series and the blues are full of confidence you know i loved seeing in one of the interviews they had tedesco um as soon as they got off the bus and they were walking to the change room tedesco was the first man in and the channel 19 was recording him and doing an interview you could hear some music in the background and um the interviewer said to tedesco you know how was the bus pretty loud you can hear a boombox and all of a sudden you see the players walking in file and you see jerome luai with a boombox on his shoulder and then Brian Toll walking behind him with the headphones singing, you know, they were relaxed. And you can just tell, you know, these are two guys on debut, you know, a team where they had lost the previous series, so a lot of pressure on the coach and the team, some new combinations, and they were loose as. And you saw it as soon as they got on the field, you know, that little feeling out period, every origin game in the first 10, 15, but then they blew them out of the water. So it was really nice to see as a New South Welshman to see them that confidence. But, you know, this Maroon side, they've got some guys, you know, Cameron Munster, 
is reminding you know everyone of a modern day Alan Langer, the way people were said to about Wally Lewis and uh, Alan Langer uh, in previous series. You know, Cameron Munster's got that bit of you know aura about him in an Origin arena. So they've got some ga- got some game breakers. And they can definitely you know win back the series here. And you know, is all you, all they need to do is win game two. If they can take game two at some corp and then go into a game three sudden death in Sydney then all of a sudden there's a chance that they can win the series, but they've obviously got to win game two. And they, I think they've got to do it in convincing fashion. They've got to really put the foot on the throw. I think Papali is going to be huge. I think they've really got to, you know, get some mongrel in their forward pack. That's why I wouldn't even mind seeing the Jared Wallace in there just to really try and, you know, take it to that New South Wales pack really early on. Christian Walsh will help with his offloading, obviously, and really backing the line, getting that quick outlet ball. And hopefully a Callum Ponga spring on the back of it. So, it's going to be a fascinating game too. When we do get the team sheets dropped for that, we'll obviously do another preview pod for that one and talk a little bit further. We'll react a little bit more to game one as a bit of the stuff sinks in. Some club footy goes, we can kind of see what form has been picked uh, and what players have been picked in the sides. But a very interesting game one. We did think that New South Wales were going to get the win here. Some people in the group thought it would be, be a bit more comfortable uh, and a bit more competitive than it was. But obviously it was a huge... 50 to 6 win for the Blues. So that's our recap here, guys. Again, we'll be back with a lot more Origin content when the teams get announced. If anyone else wants to jump on and have a chat to kind of go through what they saw. But again, I think this series is perched well in the Blues' favour. I think they've got this one pretty much wrapped up if they can just come out there and play the same type of footy. But again, Queensland can definitely make a run of it here. They could also lose before they even step on the park with the team that they selected. They can get a couple of bolters in there you know, the Corey Thompsons of the world, the Reed Marnies of the world, and pick a nice forward pack. And, you know, if they want to rest on their laurels and pick some players that aren't in some form, you know, the Giant Arrows and the Felice Confucius of the world, they're entitled to do that. And they'll obviously um, bet on the experience, you know. Back in the day when they were going through their rampaging series wins, you know, an Ash Harrison, a Sam Friday, a Dallas Johnson, guys that pro- probably weren't in the best form of the careers when they got picked, but they just, you just knew they were going to do a job for you. So... They're hoping for a bit of that. Maybe maybe they'll go and just, you know, make four changes and really try and shake it up. Whatever they do, they're obviously in a must-win situation now, which makes it a very fascinating series to watch because all of a sudden, you know, one team is very, very desperate and the other team who played probably the best origin footy we've seen in years uh, trying to replicate it in the game too. So it does leave it as a fascinating standalone Sunday night match up there at Suncorp. Well, thanks for listening, guys. That was the origin recap for game one. Again, we'll be back with a lot more Origin content as well as a lot of, lot of other NRL content as well, as well as our previews and reviews. So thanks for listening, guys. Have a great day and hear from you soon. Cheers.